ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome back into Nosebleeds, WFUV's exclusive baseball podcast. I am Dan Bartels, pleased to be joined alongside Matty Bamonte and Lauren Mondaruli for this episode of Nosebleeds. A lot to get into on the 12th of July. Uh, All-star break. It's not really a weekend. It's a weird time. Uh, Lots going on in the baseball world. A lot we'll get into um, in regards to that. And the Mets and the Yankees will get to that, everything that's going on. The Mets were hot, and then they were not. The Yankees have their own problems of their own that we'll get into, but they're doing a lot better than the Mets are, as always, seemingly. But anyway, all-star break. We'll get into that. The home run derby. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero becomes the first father-son duo in Major League Baseball history to win the Derby when his father did it in 07, and Guerrero 16 years later now in 2023. So I just want to get your guys' takeaways from the Home Run Derby. Matty, I'll start with you. A lot of fireworks, as always. Um, Vlad comes out on top. Yeah, no, it was a really exciting home run derby uh, to see, for example, Adley hitting switch hitting was a great sight to see uh, J-Rod having his repeat year against Pete Alonso. And it was absolutely dominant for him. Uh, what did he hit? 41 in the first round, something around that number. Crazy number. Like Pete Alonso, like I saw the number pop up on the screen and I was like, there's no chance that Pete Alonso is hitting this number. So it was a great year. A lot of stuff happened. And to see Vlad come up on top, it's great to see him. He's an absolutely dominant slugger. And to see him get that number and to get that championship, I think it was well deserved. It was an exciting derby. Things happened. Um, and I enjoyed it as a whole. I feel the same exact way. It was quite the show. Vladimir had a total of 72 homers. He had 26 in the first round, 21 in semifinals, and then 25 in the finals. And like you said, Dan, it's the first time a father and a son won the Derby. And I was just in awe of J-Rod. I, first of all, I loved his bat, his no place like home bat. It just really like shows how much he loves the Seattle crowd and the fan base and everything. And the 41 homers was just like immaculate. I can't get over it. Yeah, it was an unbelievable showing in Seattle of all places, too. It can't get any better than that. It looked like it was scripted for him to win it, but it did not turn out that way. And then the All-Star game was just last night. The NL snapping their 12-year drought of losing to the American League in the All-Star game. Elias Diaz, the Rockies catcher, the go-ahead home run in the eighth, puts them ahead 3-2. to two. And that was that on the All-Star game. I know no one watches the All-Star game anymore. It's lost its flair. But, um, Lauren, I'll start with you. What did you see from the All-Star game? If you happen to catch it, I'm sure you did. But what did you see? I did catch it. I am – so, first of all, I'm a huge Yankees fan. So, I was amazed. I, like, have a great Garrett Colden in that first inning. It was the first time a Yankee has started the All-Star game – a Yankee pitcher, sorry. Yankee pitcher has started the All-Star game since Roger Clemens in 2001. So, this was just huge for Garrett Cole and the Yankees in general. And he pitched the scoreless inning. He only threw nine pitches. Just an amazing performance. And, you know, going to the All-Star MVP, Elias Diaz, with his two-run homer, he's been in the majors since 2015. He was with the Pirates for his first first five seasons, and it's been with the Rockies for the last four. And it's just amazing that the first time a Rocky has ever been the All-Star MVP. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was an absolutely incredible all-star game. Um, just honestly, because the NL finally won for the first time, like we said, in 11 years, like I've been waiting for the day where we finally now can pull out a win. And uh, Guriel with that foul ball in the seventh, that was almost that home run was very much just like, so nail biting for me. I enjoyed the all-star game more than I did this year than previous years, but all in all, like your thoughts on the all-star game can like shift based on like, you know, you like it, you don't, uh, people complain, people complain about everything now these days, especially with the all-star game. So I enjoyed it personally this year. I'm not usually a fan, but I'm glad there was at least some excitement this year. It was a close game and then all comes out on top, which means it's a good all-star game for me. Yeah. And Lauren, to your point, I'm sure you wanted Cole to pitch longer. He had a perfect game going. So. I was shocked to see him take out after that first inning. I wanted to see him pitch at least two, but I have to respect all the other All-Stars, and, and they need their time as well. Definitely. And um, just uh, some homekeeping stuff, housekeeping stuff for just all of baseball in general. Uh, the league leaders, uh, Tampa Bay leads the American League East, 58-35. and 35. The AL Central has been abysmal. Um, each team is at or below 500. The Guardians are at 500. Everyone else, Twins, Tigers, Whites, they're all below 500. Guardians are leading that. AL West, the Rangers have been impressive, uh, certainly 52 and 39. The Astros are only two games behind, and then the Mariners you have to worry about, and the Angels as well. With uh, We'll get to the Angels and everything that's going on. The NL, um, the Braves, probably the best team in baseball. Um, not sure who's stopping them. It's probably, you know, not anyone until the World Series. So we'll see about that. They're leading the NL East, the NL Central. The Reds have been amazing, 50 and 41. And the Brewers are right on their tail as well. And then the the West, the Dodgers have retaken the West from the D-backs. They are 51 and 38, but the D-backs are right there at 52 and 39. So all around the league, a lot of things are going on. All these teams are fighting for the postseason now. Second half, teams have to be adjusted. Specifically, the two teams in New York have to be adjusted. But the number one prize piece is Shohei Otani this offseason. And there's a lot of speculation. Who knows where he's going to go? Is he going to stay with the Angels? They haven't given him a reason to stay. He's not going to go to the East Coast because he wants to be closer to home in Japan. Makes sense. It really comes down to who gives him the most money. Shohei Otani is a player we have never seen before. And we will never see again. So, Maddie, I'll ask you, in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes, where do you see him going if it's not this trade deadline this offseason? It's a really tough decision just because of the boundaries that he set with the East Coast not being where he wants to go. Because in my ideal world, I would see big teams on the East Coast putting in bids for him to try and get him over here. Number one being the Mets should definitely put in an offer for Shohei Otani. I saw Sanga talking to him at the All-Star game and they made jokes about it, like making the com- the connection, making that communication grow. And I would love, like Mets bias, I would love to see Shohei Otani in a Mets uniform. Um do I think it's very likely? I don't think so, just because of the Mets' trajectory with how they've been spending their money on guys like Verlander and Scherzer and how that situation has played out. I don't think they're going to end up doing something like that. I think current day right now, he stays with the Angels because I don't think he's going to get an offer that he wants fully. I, I think he has some semblance of loyalty to the Angels for what they've been doing and for the location and for what they can offer. And so right now, I don't see him moving anywhere. I could see him potentially moving maybe even down. I feel like 
there's always a team that can deal out a lot of money. And that team on the West Coast that deals out a lot of money is the Padres. They don't need him, but the Padres deal out money like it's nobody's business. And so to see him go down either to the Dodgers, to the Padres, to maybe even the expansion that may happen with the Oakland A's now moving into Vegas, we could see something like that happening for a new franchise later on. They want to make an impact right away. They would try and get somebody like Shohei. So I think he definitely stays on the West Coast for this foreseeable future. I would like to see the East Coast teams try to make a splash, but I think his kind of mentality with not going to the East Coast is going to stick enough for him. That's exactly what I'm thinking. I don't see him coming to the East Coast anytime soon, like not even in the next few seasons. I see him staying on the West. I do think that this will be his last full season with the Angels. I do see him moving somewhere on a different team, a different franchise in this offseason because he is a free agent after this season. I wasn't going to like, I wasn't thinking Seattle, but until, you know, they were chanting Otani come to Seattle in the All-Star game last night. I think that's definitely going to like push push him a little bit to go up north because the fan base there was just so in love with him. And that's just something that he seems like he loves. He needs like a great fan base like the Angels have, but the Mariners are going to be able to go farther with Shohei than the Angels have. Yeah, that's a great point. That was really cool to see last night too. Seattle trying to get him. Every every single team will want Otani. It's only a matter of who can actually afford him. And it's really going to come down to that. The Mets, as you said, Maddie, I think that's a great point. The Mets could be the team that swoops in and gets him. It has to be right now. Same thing with the Yankees, but I think it's more tailored to towards Juan Soto, who I didn't even mention, but he is the other guy on the market for the Yankees right now. But for Shohei Otani purposes, I think the Mets have to do it now. We see what's going on in Queens. It's not pretty, and it's the pitching is the result of that. I like your take, Maddie, as well about the Padres, but their problem is offense, which Otani gives you as well. So, I mean, it's whatever, however way you slice it, it's going to be one of the craziest things. And his contract, too. It's probably going to have to be tailored, if you think about it, to something we haven't seen before. We've never seen an athlete like this. There's going to have to be clauses in his contract that says, uh, I don't I, I don't know how to word it. I'm not a lawyer, but like, you know, he can hit and pitch. That takes away, that's two positions that you're paying this guy to be. It's going to be really, really interesting to see who comes out on top in the Shohei Otani, whatever sweepstakes you want to call it. But in terms of our town's teams, Mets and Yankees, we'll get to that right now. The Yankees. 49 and 42. They have struggled as of recently, it's obvious, but four and six in their last 10. The big glaring thing with the Yankees right now is the turnover in their hitting to coach, coach department. Sean Casey comes in, former broadcaster, no experience. Not saying that's a problem because the Yankees tend to base some of these things. Aaron Boone, he's just a player and he's done amazing things with the Yankees. So who knows? I, I think it's just you bring in. A guy, Dylan Lawson gets fired. He was the Yankees hitting coach. He gets fired. Scott, Sean Casey, rather, sorry, excuse me, comes in. It's the new hitting coach for the Yankees. The reason for that was the Anthony Volpe. Sure, if no one's heard about it, you're hearing about it now. Anthony Volpe was struggling, couldn't figure out what was going on with the swing. He has a dinner, chicken parm dinner with Austin Wells, his minor league teammate. They get it figured out. He's back on track. He's hitting. That's not a good thing. That's showing up the Yankees front office, basically, is what it did. And the hitting coach gets fired. So, Lauren, I will start with you. What is going on? What do you see? 
looks like he just wants to take the pressure off the players right now, but what could it mean moving forward with the new hire? I definitely think this was a good decision. Obviously, our offense has been struggling since Judge has went on the IL, and you can't blame a missing captain on on the what's it called? Sorry. On the roster. Yeah. Like you can't blame one player for everyone else getting strikes, getting yeah. struck out, like just getting out. So I think the new coach is a good idea. I think Sean Casey was a great idea. He was a teammate of Aaron Boone on the Reds. He was a three-time All-Star and he batted 302 for 12 seasons. So he knows how to swing a bat. And yeah. Boone has also said that he is very inspiring. He had no bad things to say about him, which is great for the players. It's another layer of motivation that will help strengthen the Yanks at the plate, which is exactly what we need. And I expect more contact contact with the ball in the upcoming weeks. Hope. Yeah, I I see where you're coming from, Lauren, but I will take the opposite standpoint, I think, on this in which I was kind of shocked at the Sean Casey hiring, uh, mainly just due to his lack of experience and with the Yankees being such an organization in which they pride themselves on having the best of the best. They chose a guy with no hitting with no uh, hitting coach experience. And so, yes, they had the connection together, Aaron Boone playing together. I think there's a bigger responsibility here on Brian Cashman that is going slightly addressed and slightly not addressed in which what Brian Cashman has done is not really addressed any concerns in terms of their offense. He has tried to fix the pitching, but he has not tried to fix the offense in the way that it should have been fixed. And as a result, these Yankees uh, are just not hitting. And, and I think because of this lack of attention that Cashman is giving him, um, and what we've been seeing, like you mentioned, Judge cannot bear this responsibility for this team at all. Like he has done everything he can. He's the only player on this team I would have given a favorable really rating to. If you look at grading them at the midseason, otherwise these other players are falling in the C range to me and below. These players are just not hitting. Um, we mentioned Volpe and his uh kind of digress the uh, digression that he's had at the plate um ever since then he got that chicken parm dinner like we talked about and it's been kind of better but from what we're seeing out of this Yankees team I don't know exactly what Casey's plan I know he said he's talking he's catering individual needs to each player I know there was rumblings today that there's tension in the clubhouse for whatever tension means quote unquote for they never say what it means ever yeah they don't they don't explain what this tension is but they mention tension in the clubhouse whether that be the players themselves whether that be each other no matter what it is there's obviously something wrong in this clubhouse and it's really suffering because of a lack of a leader but you can't blame everything on him so you got to look for And then I have to go back to Cashman being at fault for most of this. And so I'll be interested to see how this Sean Casey saga plays out. I would like to see it succeed for the Yankees because it's never fun to see two big New York teams look so awful at the midseason. So I want to see them succeed. But what Brian Cashman has done, if you're looking at you know, who to point fingers at right now. It has to be him. Boone is doing everything he really can at this point, but uh, short of motivating his guys and being a support for them, I don't know what Boone can really do other than what he's done so far. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, you hit it the nail on the head because it really comes down to the conversation of, yes, I I tend to agree with you that it it is falling on Cashman's shoulders, but the players have to play, you know, at, at the end of the day, that is the, that is it. They have to hit, you put them out there, they pitch or pitch and they have to do well. 
There's no other way around it. And you have guys like DJ LeMahieu gave him a six-year contract. I believe there's four years left on that. It's not turning out the way Yankee fans would have wanted it to turn out. And guys like IKF, I mean, yeah, they've been better. But Donaldson, been awful. Stanton's been not good in moments where you need him. And that's there's no bias here. It's just the way it is. And I don't, you know, but Bader, I mean, he's been better. You know, Glaber looks like a shell of himself. I don't know. You have Garrett Cole always. That's great. But, you know, there's only so much that – and it really stems back to Judge, if we're going to be honest. And we've talked about it ad nauseum, of course. He, he's the engine that makes this thing go. And when you don't have Judge, I mean, you look to other places to maybe get that, and you're not getting it. And, you know, similar with the Mets. and it, it, It's tough. And it does fall on Cashman's shoulders, but it, it really falls back on the players. And that's all I could say about that. Lauren, do you have any thoughts before we wrap up this Yankees segment on just where the Yankees are, how they could improve, and moving forward into the second half? I just think they need to figure out what's been messing up, messing them up this first half. Luckily, Judge is going to be coming back in the next few weeks. Nestor Cortez is also going to be coming back soon as well. And their pitching is getting better. Rodon was incredible in his Yankee debut. And once Nestor comes back, that five-man roster is going to be different. So I definitely do think Boone's going to take Severin out of the five-man roster because he is not who he used to be. He is struggling. I don't know how either they're going to do that, whether they're going to say he's injured, doesn't he, not designate him for assignment, sorry, but like make him go they on could. a... They could. They could, but I was going to say like a rehab assignment. But you have to get Severino out of there and then your five men, you know, Cole, Cortez, Rodon, Herman, and Schmidt will be powerful and you're... You won't have like an off day with pitching, which will be incredible, but you you have to score runs. So I just think they need to figure out what's going on in their clubhouse. Absolutely. And the only reason I say that thing about Severino, because Alec Manoa, I don't know if you guys saw the Blue Jays, he got sent down to like low A and ended up coming back and throwing six innings of five hit baseball. I mean, so like people can figure out things in the minor leagues. It's tough because Severino, you look to him, he's so good and he's just not being good so it's tough but transitioning over to the other side of town the Mets are not good and that is just the way it is you know we could be cutting it other ways but they had their six game winning streak it's great it's awesome there's still a lot of ground to be gained in the NL East not even talking about the division but we will 18 and a half games back for the Mets right now uh, the Braves, as we talked about, they're just a powerhouse. And the Mets fan right now, you're not looking towards the division. That's already been gone. The wild card. And that's really where it comes down to. you got a lot of teams that you have to jump over. I mean, if you're the Mets. And it's one of those things where they really have to make a move at the, the deadline now. And I don't know what that's going to be. I, I have no idea. They're, I think they these next two weeks will determine – buyer or seller because right now in this moment in time i can't tell you none of us can but i think the mets should be hopefully buying that's the you know point of being a fan but at the same time we've lived through the other side of it so the cubs they have to catch the padres the brewers the phillies and they're seven back in the wild card so maddie i will ask you at this moment in time after the all-star break not the second half mathematically but the second half hypothetically what do the Mets have to do to get back into the playoff picture? I just think the first thing overall is this team was like 
we're going to win the World Series or we're just going to completely fail. And right now they're completely failing. There's literally, like you said, no way to cut this easier than they have just like absolutely botched everything that they could have done to get to where they need to go. Um, After they just dropped two out of three to the Padres, which is to me was a disappointing team in the NL alone like the Padres have not been the Padres that I'm used to seeing and so this was your chance to make a big splash while you're on this little west coast tear um to do something and they drop the two out of the three my big problem with this team is we have guys consistently in this lineup who can't hit who need to be getting who need to be like gone at this point and I will get to them in a second but then pitching is in another issue. A lot was banked, and I this sounds like a broken record every single time I talk about this, but a lot was resting on the shoulders of Verlander and Scherzer to do something this season. They are not what we expected. Like, Scherzer has his games, has his moments. Verlander, I have yet to see his moment, his game, that has really proved to me that this is really what he can be continue doing for the Mets. They have not done that. And as the senior guys on this team, they should be doing that and they should be leading this team. They're not. Senga has done everything he can in my eyes to try and like improve this pitching roster and this team. And then the bullpen, I don't even want to address because it's like horrific to even talk about. With the absence of Edwin Diaz, this bullpen has fallen apart. You're relying on guys like David Robertson to pick up the slack. Adam Ottavino's giving up home runs left and right. Brooks Raley just doesn't look good. Nobody is like really doing good for this team. Um, And I would say my biggest disappointments, if we're going to talk about hitting Vogelback has continued to disappoint me. I was not sold on him last season fully. And then this season it has just continued and it has flopped. I love him as a clubhouse presence, but you can't keep a guy because you love his clubhouse presence. He is hitting 225 right now. He has 26 RBIs. He serves And when he came into this team, everyone was saying, well, he's a walk guy. He's going to get on base that way. He's going to do that. I don't care. He's not getting runs for this team. And you can't have a guy in this lineup day in and day out who's going to be doing this as your DH. Like, that's what you need to get your RBIs, and he's not doing it. Marte, not doing anything for this team, only has 28 runs. This he's, He's stealing bases. But I could care less because we don't bring those base runners in anyway. So it's like, it doesn't matter. And then Mark Hanna is not doing anything. So he's getting outshined by Tommy Pham. And Tommy Pham could be great trade potential for this team. But so then you're stuck with Canna. So it's there's no winning with this like lineup. I'm so frustrated with them. And I don't know what to say. At this point, they need to buy and sell. This team needs to be completely revamped. There is like one guy on this team that I'm proud of. And it's Alvarez. At the end of the day, yes. there is nobody on this team that I am very like gung-ho about other than him i'm kind of sick of the team i'm hoping we can turn it around but we're playing the dodgers i like rest my case because i I, at this point this team is just old it's expensive and it was supposed to win the world series and it did the complete opposite this team has just been so disappointing for all new york fans all across the board Buying and selling is the only thing that will help them in the long haul. I personally think this season's a lost cause for the Mets. You're seven games back in the wild card. If we're being realistic, your July, the Mets July is difficult. It's off and on. You have the White Sox and the Nationals, and then the rest of those series are going to be struggles. Dodgers, Red Sox, and Yankees, they're going to put up a good fight because all those three teams are fighting for a wild card, wild card spot. 
I think the best case scenario for selling would be Marcana. Like you said, Matt, he's not doing anything for this team. And that'll make space for Ronnie Morrisio and it'll get him that experience in the majors and it'll help the Mets in the long haul, which is what the Mets need to have their focus on right now because this season's over for them. Yeah, I mean, over is a, I don't, yeah, I mean, it's so tough. It's tough. I, you know, it's just that time of year where we don't know what to say. And, you know, it's tough because the Mets really, Max Scherzer, yes, Maddie, you talked about Verlander and you haven't seen that start out of him. I, I get that. But by the same token, he's had a couple six, seven inning games. I get that you want the, you pay Justin Verlander to go out there and give you a, a shutout or a complete game every single time he takes them out. I, especially we saw Jacob deGrom. We saw the best thing to ever scrape the Mets the past couple of years ever. So we've seen the highs, we've seen the lows, but Scherzer, I mean, 14 runs in your last five games. And if you want to count the subway series, 20 gave up six. So I, I just, I don't even know. Scherzer has been, a shell of himself as well. People are saying he was willing to waive his no trade clause. So people want him out of town. I want to keep him. I want to keep Verlander. But if one has to go, it would be uh, Scherzer, especially right now, because I don't know when you're going to trade him as he gets older. I mean, it's not going to, you know, so that's that. It's just really tough right now. And you talked about Vogelback. He's been not good. Brandon Immo has been great. Jeff McNeil's been better. Pete Alonzo has not been good. Well, I mean, Pete Alonzo goes to the home run derby last night and or whenever it was two nights ago and completely lays an egg. I mean, yes, J-Rod hits 41, but Pete Alonzo has been bad. And if the Yankees need Judge to keep going, the Mets are going to need Alonzo. They're going to need Lindor. So, Maddie, I'm going to ask you one last time. What difference does Alonzo make we know what Lindor does he's been amazing five for five night the other night he's been amazing what does Alonzo bring to the table that can really change this team I was talking about this with my dad the other day and we were we were talking about what Alonzo's value is right now and in the past Alonzo was a huge RBI guy could do a lot of damage for this team he right now is hitting home runs or he's doing nothing he's striking out and so at this point, Alonzo has to figure out his best way to really start just getting on base. Like he has lacked that skill, I think, of he's either swinging for the fences or he's just like in the zone and striking out. And that shouldn't be the case. Your your goal in his mind should be, let me just get on at this point. Like, let me give my guys you know, another shot. And he's not doing that. And I don't know if that has to do with the fact that he did compete in the home run derby and he's working on a swing for the home run derby. That's, you know, could be a case or he just has a lot of power and he thinks, you know, he's going to mash the ball every single time he gets up. He, to me, is closer. He's not, he's not like the quintessential leader of this team that I'm thinking he is. Like, I think there's other guys who could step up to that role or be them, but he's the, he's the most recognizable next to Lindor met, I would say. And so he's not doing what I would say, well-rounded baseball at this point. He's just doing the opportunity to hit home runs and that's it. So he needs to just work on the fundamentals of this game, really. And he needs to go back and really just settle in because right now 
I'm kind of sick of seeing him strike out. He struck out twice in, in the All-Star game. Like, whoop, whoop-de-doo. Like, it wasn't great to see. And that's going to continue to carry over, I think, with him, unless he starts really buckling down and being like, maybe maybe I should start not swinging for the fences every single time, chasing that pitch every single time, because he's chasing every single pitch. Slow down at the plate. Work on your approach. Just like relax. I think there's a lot of tension right now with him at the plate. He sees the responsibility of being a figurehead for this team. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't start getting back into the groove of things, I don't see how long-term he's going to be that guy for the Mets at this point. Definitely. Definitely. And Alonzo still is awaiting that contract. We'll see what the Mets decide to do. They gave Nimmo the money. McNeil the money, Lindor all the money, and then Alonzo waiting. So we'll see. It's a, I think he w- will stay a Met. I'm going to kill that narrative right now. I don't think he's ever going to leave Queens. Hopefully make him a Met for life. That's what the Mets should do. Um, did it with Nimmo, and it's turning out very well. I love Nimmo. So it, it's just really what it comes down to in that regard. Mets bullpen's been awful. Yankees bullpen's been amazing. Uh, there's just a bunch of different things. If you're the Yankees, you really got to not go all in on this year, but you have to. It's been so long since they've won the Mets. It's been even longer, but it's just uh, it's one of those years. And that's really, really what it comes down to. Lauren, is there anything else? The Mets stink. The Yankees are not as stinky, but they're, you know, to Yankee standards, right? They're bad. So, um, Lauren, what do you have to say to wrap up? Just New York has to be better. We have to figure out. Yes. We already know what's wrong. Why Why can't we just address what's wrong and move on? Like, there shouldn't be the tension in the, the clubhouses. Like, fix that. It shouldn't be as difficult as it is, but it is, which stinks. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Nosebleeds. I have been Dan Bartels alongside Maddie Bamonte, Lauren Mondaruli. This was an amazing episode, and we hope that you join us right back here next week. The WFUV's exclusive baseball podcast, Nosebleeds.